Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan. Brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort and Jim the National Championship last night for college football. Michigan kind of dominated the lines of scrimmage in particular. They just kind of manhandled Washington much of the night last night. They did. Uh, and it's fascinating to see Harbaugh do that. Because Harbaugh came into the NFL at a time when people thought you needed to throw the ball 50 times a game. And he really set up a very balanced offense, power running game that opened up things in the passing game, physical play, of course, strong defense. And that's why he won a national championship. You know, and he, and he came one play away from winning a Super Bowl uh, with, you know, a guy who, Colin Kaepernick, who uh, was considered a backup quarterback at the beginning of that season. He really relied on Frank Gore, very good with offensive blocking schemes, uh, running lanes, and then creating big plays off of having a power running game. That's what we saw last night. They dominated the run early, and it really set the tone for everything. Yeah, and I remember Colin Kaepernick had like a 200-yard rushing game or something during that playoff run uh, that they had as well. Yeah, that's right. And then last night we saw J.J. McCarthy, very athletic as well, had a big third-down pickup on a on a running play there. It, it, like You went there because last night's offense looked very similar to those Niner offenses. Yes, uh, and McCarthy's a pretty good athlete. He mm-hmm. runs well. They don't ask him to run a lot, but when he does run well, he's got some speed. Yeah, so, you know, uh, uh, kind of a tough outing for Michael Penix. I heard some guys say that that might have been his worst game of the year, but a lot of that because of the pressure and getting stomped on by his 330-pound guard. It was definitely his worst game of the year. I watched him a lot this year. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of his, and that he did not perform well last night. Uh, there were there were all kinds. I don't want to make excuses for him. Uh, that goes on his record. Uh, it will be part of his evaluation, how he performed in that game. Uh, at times... You know, having his leg stepped on when he was, you know, they come out beginning of the second half, it looks like they have reestablished control mm-hmm. of the game. Yep. And, you know, he's trying to throw the ball away on an early down, and he gets his ankle stepped on and it flutters, and the guy makes a great interception on it. I mean, that might have been the winning play for Michigan. Uh, so who knows what happens if Penix doesn't get stepped on and stays healthy. Then later he gets his ribs bashed in. And, uh, you know, his longest pass play of the night got called back by a penalty. What should have been the longest pass play of the night, he and his Top receiver didn't communicate right on which way he should be breaking on a long ball. Uh, penalties, bad offensive line play, Michigan being able to get a very effective rush with four people so he could also cover. Um, Michigan just won that battle. And so Penix, uh, you know, I will absolve him of all guilt, but, you know, it wasn't a great situation for him either. So I, w- I read your column with interest. Of course, we've talked about some of this, too, how you think the Vikings might approach what they're going to do at uh, quarterback and so forth. And you've been kind of a Penix guy. A lot of people are. Uh, one of my podcast partners uh, is as well. But are you taking Penix because you think he'll be available at 11? Or do you think he's the best quarterback? Uh, kind of a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb Williams, you know, scouts absolutely love him. He's incredibly productive. He has the NFL body, the NFL arm. Can make every throw. Uh, I also saw him, you know, against some game in some games, including against Notre Dame, where when he felt pressure, he just threw the ball straight up for grabs. Mm. Um, showed no poise in those situations. Um, he, he's one of those guys you kind of almost have to take him, mm-hmm. you know, as the first quarterback off the board. But I'm not, you know, I might be 98 percent sold on him, and I'm 100 <laughs> percent sold on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he should be good, but I don't know that he's just the lock to be great that everybody thinks he is. Drake May scares me a little bit. Um, you know, Daniels from LSU is a great, great two-way quarterback. He could be the next like guy who comes to the league and just plays like Jalen Hurts. Uh, so yeah, when I say Penix at eleven, I'm thinking 
the best quarterback you really want who's available to you in, at about that pick. You would not advocate then the Vikings uh, trading up? I mean, there was reports this week they tried to do that last year and get Anthony Richardson. To me, Jaden Daniels looks kind of like Richardson, just not as big. Uh, is it possible they you know, trade up, uh, send multiple draft picks somewhere to try and get one of the what seems to be kind of three guys at the top of the draft in most mocks I've seen at least? They did like Anthony Richardson last year. They were tempted to trade up and then, you know, Indianapolis traded up way above the, you know, just through tons of assets to get way up there to get that pick, and mm-hmm. they just, you know, couldn't get there. Question is for this organization with so many personnel flaws, can you afford to not only spend the first round pick on a first on a quarterback, but also give away other high draft picks that will be required to move up that high to get him? Mm-hmm. Um, so they, what they probably do if they like Daniels, and, I, and they probably do. If they like Daniels that much, what they probably do is just do what they did last year and hope he falls to a level where it wouldn't take a ridiculous amount of assets to trade up to get him. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's what will be the fascinating thing. How does how does all of that uh, uh, turn out in the end? Where do you see college football uh, going in terms of conference structure? I mean, to me, there's so much. Uh, that's really kind of murky right now about college ball. Are they going to start paying all athletes uh, the share, or is it just going to be the ones that strike their own NIL deals, the most uh, popular ones? But for me, the biggest thing is the structure of it going forward. Do you think we're going to stay with the now four major conferences that we have? I have no idea. Yeah. And I think it, I really think it's going to be a free-for-all. I mean, the conferences have never really been that static, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and as soon as the, the Big Ten went to not having ten teams, and nothing really mattered anymore. Yeah. Uh, so now you have Big Ten trying to dominate all the major TV markets and get teams from the West Coast. They already have teams on the East Coast. I just think it's going to be a constant free for all. It's going to be it's going to be like free agency in mm-hmm. in modern professional sports. Teams are going to look for the best deal for them, try to get the best deal, and. Maybe there'll be some loyalty involved in some ways. Some some teams will say hey, we belong here. Other teams will say I'm going to go to the highest bidder, whoever it happens to be. I, uh, I I've heard it said that a lot of people really think it's going to wind up very similar in structure to the NFL, with two major conferences. They uh, get a champion, and then the teams play the college Super Bowl. Does that sound like something that could happen to you? Yeah, mm-hmm. it absolutely does. Yeah. Um, and they're about to expand to 12 playoff teams. Uh, my guess is that will be wildly successful, and they'll make so much money doing that they will decide to eventually expand it farther. Um, so, honestly, the conferences are just a weird construct. You know, it's just mm-hmm. a, I mean, really, the conferences exist because it was cheaper to trap for if you're the Minnesota Golden Gophers. It was cheaper to play your games against Northwestern and Wisconsin than it was to play your games against Florida State and Arizona State. Mm-hmm. That's why this all came into existence. Convenience. Mm-hmm travel, uh, minor sport travel, so it's not too outrageous. And now we're at a point where the, the sport, is, college football, is so lucrative that they don't care about that anymore. Mm-hmm. If they can get higher TV ratings by sending you know, the University of Washington to Rutgers for a regular season game, they're going to do it. Yeah. It isn't a good thing that, like you said, the, the sports that are non-revenue uh, producing are, are suddenly, if you, you're a USC athlete and now you have to travel to Iowa and Minnesota and the, it just got a lot more onerous to travel uh, for them, could we see college football split off from the rest of college athletics and have them continue with a conference structure? I could see that, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we already see, again, we already see that, you know, uh, 
certain teams play certain sports in, in conference and maybe independent outside of the conference. Uh, and again, so many of these rules are just based on tradition or logistics or comfort. But now that we're, we've entered the phase where we're just talking about billions of dollars at stake, mm-hmm. again, they're not going to care about tradition. They're just going to go wherever those dollars are. And, and that very well could be college football becoming its own entity and, and, and the Power Five teams just kind of creating their own Super League. Mm. Uh, five losses in regulation in the last six games now for the Wild. This is a tough stretch for them, the worst of the season. Yeah, and they were terrible last night. Yeah. Uh, they were on, it felt like they were on the power play the entire game. They couldn't score. They had a five-on-three. They couldn't score. Uh, they're banged up. They are not shooting the puck well. They're not moving the puck well. They look deflated. Um, it's a long, such a long season that they could come out of this at any point and play well, but right now it does not look good. I, I, in your paper today, talking about a potential debut of a rookie goaltender, Wallstead, uh, coming up uh, uh, and getting some playing time. It's five games in a row now for Flurry. I don't think they want to keep playing him every night, do they? No, and he made a couple of great saves last night, but he also gave up, you know, a high number of goals. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really blame him for that. But yeah, he's an older guy. He was supposed to be kind of your one B goaltender. Uh, it, it is time to see what Wallstead can do. Uh, both to, to give Flurry a break and to see what you have. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan. Brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Cardinal Hockey tonight. Rambo pregame coverage here at 550.